Hello. You've just chosen to listen to a podcast where two 18-year-olds with limited worldview try their best to hold an intellectual conversation about the concept of organized religion, the nature of spirituality, and what these subjects mean to them. A little disclaimer moving forward. Having a conversation on tape is pretty unusual and, for the first time, a little nerve-wracking. So there are times where we, as in me, the host, and my guest, will seem inarticulate and say things that are simply put stupid. For example, I think you will hear me say, you know when you quote, you know when you walk along a path and it becomes a path, end quote. I also am unsure what persona I would like to adapt as your host, so there I will be testing different ones, including intellectual scientist, philosophic philosopher, or sarcastic witty banter. However, I don't excel at either of these, any of these. Again, there it was. I misspoke. Whatever. In fact, I don't even know what voice to use right now, because it feels like I'm talking to myself in my bedroom, and my parents will come in and threaten to send me to the doctor's office. It has happened before. In addition to all of this, under the intense pressure of every moment of this heated conversation that you will soon be listening to, me and my guests both, my guests and I, both misspeak and say things that, while not necessarily wrong, the real concept we were trying to get at is a little more complicated than we allude to. That's why at the end of the conversation which you are listening to, I will include a little more detail and corrections in some cases, DMN, not the DME, that'll make sense later, of some of the ideas and theories we were trying to explain. Alright, now we can get into this. My name, wait. Hello, I'm your host, Megan Elise, and you are just listening to Six Ways Mushrooms Can Save the World by Paul Stamets. So I was raised Roman Catholic uh, by a very religious mother. 18 years of church and biblical catechism studies under my belt. Talked to a lot of people about this subject. And today, I'm going to talk about it a little more with one of my good friends, who is also Roman Catholic. We aren't really coming from nowhere on this subject. We have some theories and we have some ideas to discuss, and so my name is Roman Catholic, and this is my friend, whose name is also Roman Catholic. Lily, why don't you introduce yourself? I am also Roman Catholic. Oh, I'm Lily. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I guess I was raised Roman Catholic. My dad... Uh, there's a biker coming by that is not Lily's dad. <laughs> anyway, well, my dad is still pretty Roman Catholic, and my mom is not really religious at all. Same um, with my dad, actually. Yeah. I, he was raised Roman Catholic, but he he's kind of on his own right now. Yeah, yeah, that's how I'd say with my mom, too. Like, she's open to religion, but not practicing any religion. I don't know much about the Bible. My parents were never, like that into it, just, like, praying at the table and, like, going to church every Sunday. Um, but, yeah. At the moment, I don't really know what I am. That's a good place. <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider myself spiritually Roman Catholic. Yeah. I would only, con- I don't know if I consider myself part of the church, even though I have 
gone through all the sacraments. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Especially now in quarantine. I haven't been to Mass in a long time. We don't watch it on the TV like I know yeah. some families do. So there's really no connection there, but we we're of we go to the same church or the same group of churches. And I apologize for the cars coming by right now, but and are we both attended service trips with our church over the past two summers. The first summer we went to West Virginia and we just um, were involved in physical labor there and some learning. It was very educational. And then last summer we didn't do so much of service trip as a pilgrimage. We went to the Camino de Santiago, which for those of you who don't know, it is a 500 mile route starting in France and ending up in Santiago de Compostela, Spain. It's a Christian pilgrimage known as the Way of St. James, where who is one of the 12 apostles who allegedly walked through Spain, spreading Christianity and establishing churches. Right, Lily? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then <laughs> his body is said to be, was shipped overseas from Jerusalem to be buried in Santiago, where he is said to be buried in a cathedral there, which is the end of the route pilgrims can go pilgrims can go and visit the tomb which we did last summer so i personally went into this trip not for the religious experience i went with my mom and a group of 12 people from our church right 12 yeah and six adults and six students yeah and so i didn't go in for religious i i went because i wanted to go to spain i wanted to go backpacking (laughs) i wanted to speak spanish yeah what about you lily i guess um, I went for that, those reasons. Like, I definitely wanted to, I've been taking Spanish for, like, five years, I think. So, I wanted to, like, practice Spanish. I wanted to see Spain, because I'd never been there before. And I also really like backpacking, so that was a reason, too. But then I also really was, like, impacted by our trip to West Virginia. And so I guess I was kind of hoping for a similar experience in Spain. So. A, a similar spiritual experience like, that would bring you closer to the church? I guess I knew it wasn't going to be the same experience, and I wasn't expecting it to be the same experience, but I hoped for, yeah, I guess that. Right. I guess not necessarily bring me closer to the church. It wasn't about the church as much as, like, internal peace. Okay, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, when I, when I was starting this route, we were there for only two weeks. We walked We walked about 135 miles of it. But at the beginning, I was starting to question a lot of things about the structure of Catholic Church, organized religion in general, and my own spirituality and connected, connection with a creator. So, on the Wait, Camino... That, were you sorry. like... Did you try to think about that stuff, or did it just kind of come there? Well... It's not, I mean, it's not something that I was necessarily hoping to find answers for on the Camino. It was more as I, this was at a point where I was beginning to not want to go to church. And I tell my parents, I'm 18. Oh, I wasn't 18. I was 17. (laughs) I'm 17. I like, I know what it's offering. I need to, I want to like find my own way. And of course they, they still forced me to go, but I was starting to question and discuss, and I talked a lot with you about it. Yeah. And I wasn't looking for anything on the Camino, just, I, I guess maybe subconsciously, but consciously I just wanted to have a good time. Yeah. We had a lot of discussions on the Camino. 
we attended it with some very devout people. (laughs) We did. Which was very different than West Virginia, and I feel like that was the difference for me personally. Was like in West Virginia, there was a lot of people who their parents forced them to go. So like I was one of the most religious people, I guess, or spiritual people. Yeah, we were the ones who were taking it seriously. Yeah. Whereas in Spain, it was like a bunch of really Catholic people, and I was on the less religious side, and so. And I guess you were too. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but no, that's true. And a lot. And this was kind of the first time that I had been immersed completely in not only adults but teenagers, our peers, who were like faith, so faithful, so devout. And like one of the her people we went with, she wore a headscarf into mass. Yeah. Another kid didn't consume any alcohol, even though it was legal. And they just. And we had discussions with them, and we had interesting yeah. discussions that I think maybe we both both sides felt a little bit upset or put out, but in a good way. We got things done. So I wanted to talk about some of those discussion points about what bothered us about the Catholic Church in general. So the first one I was bringing up is the only male priest. Yes, that was a big thing. <laughs> you want to talk about that for a little bit? Uh, or, sure. I guess, yeah. Introduce it. Well, so, I guess Megan and I, we wanted to, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. It's okay, (laughs) take your time. Um, Okay, so we were talking about how, I guess, the sexism within the church and how there's lots of, I guess all the roles in the church are split into women and men, and the men's roles are a lot more like seen as a lot more important. And a lot of people in the church will be like, "No, it's they're just as important." But just based on what the roles are, it seems like they are because there's like women, you can be a mom, and like you're basically just there to create more men. It feels like a little bit like right. I don't know. Or you can be a nun where you don't really preach directly to the people. You're, you're not just kind preaching, of you're in just... the background. Exactly. Yeah, and then all the men can preach and share their views and explain to the people and teach and like right yeah and when we brought this up uh at one albergue in spain i think what some of the other kids who were defending the church were saying to us was they it was part of the church's history and i'm yeah. gonna and read like it, jesus wanted it that way right i'm yeah. gonna read a quote actually that okay. i found off um a Catholic Church website, okay? And I'll link I'll link all these all my sources. Okay. While he was on earth, Jesus chose men to be his apostles and he passed on authority to these men to carry out his work of preaching the good news and forgiving sins. The catechism of the Catholic Church explains, the church recognizes herself to be bound by this choice made by the Lord himself. For this reason, the ordin ordin origination of women is not possible end quote so i think this is what they were arguing us back with and what i think this shows isn't so much a reflection of the church's desire to keep things as jesus has wanted i think it shows the church's inability to change with the times because it says jesus chose men to spread his word and if you put this in context of the time period women did not have equal rights of men they were not seen as the same maybe not even the same speed like they were human but they weren't as human they weren't as smart they didn't have as many rights okay and so coming to the earth at this time jesus would know that if he sent a woman out to spread the word alone she would not get the same results and she could be 
putting her own personal risk at safety, her own personal safety at risk. I said that backwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, and yeah. so Jesus I, made a right choice at that time. Yeah. I mean, I guess I do think there's an argument against what you said. Like, I, I disagree with that men should be the only priests, but I do think that the argument that they make does make a little sense when you look at other things that Jesus did and how it was like, he would like, he was, I guess he, he was a very, I forget what the word is, when you don't care what people think about you and you like go heal the lepers and stuff, it's, it wasn't like he was. Like he didn't care about what people would think norms. about sending a, right. a, a, right. a so social like, change. I, guess, I don't know if, I'm not trying to argue that, I just like, no, I feel like that's, that's a good the point. argument that they, Jesus was make. all for social change right. and changing societies, but I, I still think some changes might have been I don't know. Yeah. I think I mean, sending a woman out would be... This is a time period where they stoned a woman right. who had sex with another man that she wasn't married with. Yeah. And you don't see the Catholic Church, I mean, stoning women for having sex <laughs> nowadays. We know that you can have True. sex with whoever you want, you know? Right. Consensual, it's fine. And the other thing is that, like, historically, there were women priests until, like, I don't know how many hundred years ago. But for the first, like, couple hundred years of Catholic history, it wasn't like there were no women priests. Right. I... I agree, and just looking at the history of the Catholic Church, they have never been able to keep up with modern times, and I think this is why they're losing a lot of followers, especially young people. Because look at look at the whole, when they persecuted Galileo for saying that the Earth was not the center of the, sol of the solar system, and they forced him to recant his theory, and then... And then it wasn't until 1992 that the Vatican formally and publicly cleared Wait, Galileo. Seriously? Exactly, yeah. I have it right here. Oh my god. Of any wrongdoing. And they only oh, they didn't want that because god. it went against their teachings. Right. I mean, I mean Andy was so, like disrespectful so to the church too. I think that was the main part of it too. He was like I think it was just he was persecuted for his support of heliocentrism. So I think, I, I don't know, just, yeah. if the church wants to keep up, they have to be adapting. And I'm not saying change their fundamental beliefs, but they have to be adapting. Yeah, I mean, I guess, it also, like, like we said earlier, Jesus was, I forget, what, what did you say? For social change? Yeah, he was for social change, and the whole, like, the church, as in the institution of the church, not the church as in the people. Like, the church is very stay in the moment, don't change anything. Whereas Jesus was, Jesus like was let's change things. So, I don't know. Well, then you get into the whole idea of church and state. Yeah. I, the, the church does have a history also of being involved in politics and yeah. being involved in having political authority over a state of people and persons. And then it makes you wonder about the entire basis for the religion in general. Is it, is it to gain power, or is it really to, for the individual well-being spiritually of each person? I feel like that's the problem with it in the first place. Like, it's the fact that it is an institution, and it's like, has rules, it makes it very non... I guess it is very religious, but it's non... It makes it feels non-spiritual because of all the concrete rules and stuff that you can't break. Right. 
I mean, many times the church has exercised political power over a state, but is it the duty of the church to promote justice and order in a society? As I'd say as spirituality, as if it's supposed to be something to help advance the spirituality aspects of life for people, then no. But as a culture, and church is, organized religion is, at this point, just a culture almost, then yes, it should be promoting justice and order in society. But that makes it more of a government almost than... Yeah. I feel like as a culture it wouldn't have to, but it definitely feels more like a government. It's like a government of a people, even though it's not... I guess that... I think it's a government that doesn't have borders. It's like anyone who wants to be a part of the government, not... Does that make sense? Anyone it's like a, who wants to follow the government's the rules. rules can, and they don't have to. And the only thing the government can do is like... I guess it's like a normal government, except that's... Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> like it's hard. You, in a normal government, the people decide that the government has power over them. And the, and only by everyone agreeing that the government has power over them can they actually have power, because if like all the people decided that the government was false, they could attack the policemen instead or whatever. And it's kind of the same with the church. Like, the only reason... They have, the church would have power over you is if you believe the church is right. And it doesn't have to be a collective belief, whereas, like, government has to be a collective belief. Uh-huh. Because you have to have a mass, like, riot to make it mm-hmm. go away. But I feel like church is just a singular belief. If you believe in it, then they have power over you. Do you think that... Do you think that is why the church has survived so much longer than other governments for because the church if you don't like it you can just leave and there's always going to be some people who stay there and like it yeah. and since it's not mandatory like the church has been here for a long ass time <laughs> and in uh, other governments other societies have not been and do you think it could be because it doesn't change as as quickly because people would just leave it rather than change it yeah i guess that makes sense because if you don't believe in them you don't have any incentive to change it because it's not mandatory. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, I was uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, <clears throat> and we kind of had an interesting conversation. So she was thinking of, she was telling me one night that she wanted to try to find God, and and she was. What do you mean by find? Well, that's what, that was kind of the question okay. that I asked her to define. I said, what do you mean find God? You mean try to connect more to a creator, a divine? Um, and she told me that more as she wants to become a better person and find more happiness in her life. And I thought, and she was looking into religions. She was trying to almost shop for religions yeah. to join. And I was... And I was trying to, like, steer her. I was trying to help her because I'm like, well, I've come from organized religion. I have a, yeah. I have a history with it. And I've come to this conclusion that if you really want to find God, if you want to advance your spirituality, you shouldn't go with an organized religion. You yeah. should go off on your own and find forms of prayer, of meditation, maybe just being outside that work with you and make you feel connected to a God yeah. and discover it for yourself try to hear him or her yourself and and she was like oh I don't know I just want to 
be a better person. I just want to have morals. I just want to find an inner sense of peace. And then I tell, and then I was like, okay, you know what? You're on the right track. Organized religion is the way to go because if you want to look for morals, a set of like, laws, right. a set of morals to follow, and a community to be part of, and and you want that cultural aspect, like how the Catholic Church has all these sacraments and they have all these formalities like robes and communion and they have this whole structure of priests and bishops and cardinals i said go for a church go for a religion organized religion that will give you all that you're looking for and i think i think there should be a wider separation that we can define between organized religion and what you're going to get out of that in spirituality and how you would advance that. What do you mean, Ricky? Like what, what you just said, explain that, like the last one that said. Okay, so basically take me and my friend, okay? Yeah. We call her Jimbo. That sucks, I'm not gonna call her that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> We're just not going to call her. We're not going to call her anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even notice that was a weird name. I'm sorry. Um, so she, she wants morals. She wants to be part of an interesting and, and beautiful culture. Yeah. She wants a community. She wants to find happiness. And you can find that in organized religion. You can find that. You can be happy with these people who are all trying to do the right thing. All trying to be good people. And they have moral values. And then there's me, who I, I'm more as trying to connect myself to a God, trying to, trying to find my spirit, my spirituality, this different conscious state, yeah. or some sort of higher dimensional, higher being of, of the human mind. And yeah. I don't think I'm going to find that with the Catholic Church. Yeah. So I want to go off on my own and try all these different paths and so see where they lead me. Are you saying there should be, like, it should be recognized that a church doesn't really bring you to God, it just gives you structure, and is that what you're saying? Sure, sure, in a way, because yeah. if you think about it, I, another problem I've always had with the church is the interpretation of the Bible. You know, they used to, right. only priests could read, the, the normal peasant couldn't read, so the priest right. would tell you what God's saying, what God wants, what he means, yeah. and I would always be thinking during the harmony and mass, I would think if a connection to God is such an individual thing, we're all coming from different experiences, we all see the world differently, we, we're finding different meaning, how could what a priest says be applicable to hundreds of people in their connection with a creator? The one thing I do think is good about, I mean, there's the structure thing, but I think the thing to me that, I don't know if this is really on topic of what you're trying to talk no. about, but... Take it wherever you want. I guess... The one thing that seems important to me about organized religion that is hard to find outside of it is like a community. And I think the community is important, but it's also like, if it's too structured, if it's too close of a community, it becomes structured and it's unhelpful. But at the same time, I feel like having a community of people you can communicate with and have experiences with that relate to your, relates to your spirituality is really helpful. Oh, I 100% I agree with that. I think having you as a friend <laughs> is, I, has been so beneficial because we yeah. both come from this background and we both see it. And like going on the Camino, it was, I, lo I loved going on it with all these highly religious people because it wasn't, 
it wasn't suffocating. It was eye-opening. Yeah. And it was, it was almost all. It was awe-striking. Striking. That's a weird word. Um, to see, <laughs> to see their faith. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that made me realize more that I didn't want to be. Because at first, when I started that trip, like West Virginia, it. I've told you this before, but it made me feel more connected to the church as a whole and be like. Because I knew I was, I liked the idea of being religious, but I wasn't sure about the church. And then in West Virginia, I really liked the community, and it made me feel like, oh yeah, the church is probably for me. And then Spain, I guess it was eye-opening how intense some people were about it, if that makes sense. Like, and that made me realize that it probably wasn't for me, because for me it was about the community and then my personal connection with God, whereas to the people who were like, actually passionate about it it was about listening to the priests i mean not yeah, really no but, it's like yeah. partaking all the materialistic aspects yeah. of the church yeah. like the headscarves yeah. and and the communion right yeah which is supposed to be like non-materialistic like that's what a headscarf is about but it i don't know well, I, I, I think I know what you're saying because, you know, it's funny, but the biggest turnoff I might have had from organized religion, from the Catholic Church, is my own mother. Because oh, yeah. she is one of those blind, blind faith, devout people who will, yeah. who, who will quote priests and quote the bishop and quote the pope yeah. and quote all these highly religious people and wear her crosses and have holy water and participate in all these sacraments and you're like how is there a holy day for this stuff this is so small and it's not even a big deal yeah and it almost reminds me of like people obsessed with harry potter which i yeah, but like it's it, like uh, ooh, ron weasley's birthday let's celebrate it like it's just i don't know you do that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <you do. laughs> yeah but i also don't think it's like the answer to the universe like no of course not yeah and that kind of turns me off it does doesn't it, it turns you off because yeah. you're like man like that's not real that's not spiritual that's not right. god that's man-made that's materialistic like, feel, crap like i don't i don't i mean yeah, i'm not like, i'm not trying to insult anyone because i yeah i mean it does sound like that i do have personal biases but i still have a respect for the church yeah but anyway keep going i'm sorry well, i guess i was gonna say it's almost like like i guess i wanted to preface it the same way you just prefaced with or ended what you said but like it don't, when you celebrate that stuff, to me, it almost feels like, oh, I'm going to make myself feel better about myself by honoring this God or doing this stuff. Like, I can, instead of thinking about what I've done or working towards things, I can just do actions. Which I know there's, I like, I know there's people who do all the sacraments and are really, like, introspective. So I know it's not just that. Right. But it also, it just, it almost, it makes it easier to just walk through the actions not really thinking about what you're doing. But feeling good about yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's easy to go to church and wear a cross around your neck and pray the rosary and you would still be a shitty person right, right you can still be i've met people who are so generally kind people like they're so yeah. you can just tell they're so nice and they're so kind they're so easygoing and they care about everyone and they're not going to church every weekend they're not you know i don't know taking communion but then you have people who do do that who say i've met i've met a lot of people at <laughs> church who are rude people they're not very yeah. nice and maybe they go through all the stuff the Catholic Church says you're supposed to, and they have this quote-unquote obsession, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah. But there might not be nice people. Like, there's a difference between bettering yourself or just going through actions that people tell you are going to better yourself. Yeah. And the same thing, is there's a difference between having morals and just following the rules. Like, 
I think this is something that the church has kind of emphasized also in its history because take selling indulgences for example if you like do something really bad but then you buy an indulgence for yourself and you're like okay well who cares (laughs) because the catholic church told me that bad thing i did isn't gonna isn't gonna change anything yeah and i actually um i have a quote here that is kind of interesting relating to indulgences so the year of 2015 was the year of mercy for the catholic church does that, what does that mean? I, I don't know. Maybe okay. they name each year as yeah. like the year of love, the year of hope. Okay. But for this year of mercy, they gave out indulgences, indulgences again. Seriously? And yes, but it's different. Here's a quote, okay? So uh, I think it's from another Catholic.org website. Again, I'll link everything. It says, quote, To gain a plenary indulgence during this holy year of mercy, the following is necessary. Have an interior disposition of detachment from all sin, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, pray for for the Holy Father's intentions, and make a pilgrimage to a basilica or another designated place, such as a cathedral." So basically, this is like the church saying, do all these things that we say are good, and we'll give you a certificate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this isn't, I mean, it's like rewarding a dog for getting through an obstacle course. Like, here you go. Did that obstacle course make the dog a better dog? <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, okay, this, actually, this, this book series really relates. The, his Dark Materials, it's basically all about how bad organized religion, especially the Catholic Church, is. But um, there's this one part where there's a priest who's getting, he's hired to kill a little girl, and before going out to kill her, awesome. he gets his, he repents for his sins that he is about to commit. By that will do girl. it. What? That will do it. God, yeah. <laughs> God gets it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, like, God, I'm about to kill little... this little girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, but I'm still going to do I'm it. I'm still going to do Which, it. I feel like the whole point of repenting or saying sorry is like, you have I to mean wish it. I hadn't done that. Like, if I could go back in time and remorse. Do, do it again, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. That's why Voldemort yeah. couldn't, yeah, he's yeah, never okay. going to feel remorse. This, I don't know how much this relates, but I was reading an article that was published in between Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and the last Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and it was about how Dumbledore might have made a horror crux when he killed Grindelwald and that it wouldn't by uh, accident no he did it on purpose oh and I guess maybe this gets in a little too much to Harry Potter but I guess it has to do with the remorse thing and what is meant by remorse because the person who wrote the article was saying that the only bad thing about a horcrux is that you killed somebody so if you killed somebody for the greater good greater good Uh um you could make horror crux without it being a bad thing. And I'm trying to, sorry, I had a lot of thoughts about it when I was reading it. And they said something about Dumbledore. Sorry, I'm trying to think of what they said. It was like, they were, I guess they were talking about remorse and what remorse meant. Like, because the only way to put your soul back together after making a horror crux is feeling remorse for it and I guess they were saying well how would you feel remorse for something if it was for the greater good 
Right. Right. And if so, if it's so, I guess they were saying almost. I'm sorry. It was. I'm trying to. It was. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Harry Potter could be considered an organized religion. Hey. <laughs> I. I. No. 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 Attacks. I'm just. Uh, you okay. Are, wait. People I'm, go in really deep about this stuff. I mean, obviously, look at. Look at what <laughs> okay. you're talking about. I'm sorry. I. Oh, she's looking at the article. Edit it out because it's no, it's and it really relates to the whole remorse thing and what is meant by remorse. Um. So while Lily was looking up that Harry Potter article, I asserted a monologue about Pakistan and how their history is a perfect could be used as a perfect example of the collision of church and state, and how researching their history can lead to insightful questions about the nature of religion, the play for power it can be, and how they can get away with doing terrible things under the excuse of religion, or this is what God wanted them to be doing, when really, religion should be a beam of light that attracts people filled with goodness and morals. However, I was pretty nervous when saying this, because Lily had left the chat, so they say, and it was just me, which I'll get used to eventually, as I keep making more podcasts, but most of what I was saying, it was just me rambling, so I going to edit over that with this and take the time to read a poem out of the Tibetan book of living and dying that I found in my brother's room while listening to Buddhist meditation music for positive energy. That's the title of the YouTube video, if you're wondering. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. I walk down another street. The purpose of reflecting on death is to make a real change in the depths of your heart and to come to learn how to avoid the hole in the sidewalk and how to walk down another street. Often this will require a period of retreat and deep contemplation, because only that can truly open our eyes to what we are doing with our lives. Alright, after that philosophical break, we are going to see if Lily, well, she's almost ready getting her article, according to my timestamp. You're listening to Two Dead Pines, back to the show. Back to Harry Potter. That okay. was a Pakistan break. Yes. Okay. It says... And so I think that the damage from killing a person occurs no matter how good or evil... The damage to your soul from killing a person occurs no matter how good or evil the person who affects the killing is as a person. In fact, it's easy to imagine that the anguish of a good person who is pressed to kill is far greater than that of someone who feels no loss at ending someone's life. 
And what they meant by that is that the anguish would create the horcrux, but in reality, the horcrux, I feel like, is like, I guess you could think of it as like the sin of killing somebody. It rips your soul apart. And when you, when you have a lot of anguish for a sin, I feel like that's remorse. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And so that would, that's, I guess that's, that's what remorse is. And this person's arguing that that is the sin and that makes the sin worse to the feel. Sin the sin is the remorse? I don't think, I guess, I think they're not understanding what remorse is. And they're saying that Voldemort's soul wouldn't have been torn apart as much as Voldemort's because it's that horrible feeling of having done something wrong. Like, that's what makes the soul tear apart. Like, oh my gosh, that was oh. horrible. My soul's torn apart now. Whereas really, it's that horrible feeling that you realize you did something wrong that brings the soul back together. And it's even said that if you are bad enough of a per in the Harry Potter books, it said if you're bad enough a person, the remorse could kill you. And so I think in a, it's kind of related to, oh, if you don't have to, I guess in, in a religion, you can't tell how remorseful somebody is because it's definitely a feeling inside. But if you can just get, a, like, erase your sins by just doing step-by-step -step things, it's like what this person is saying that if you just don't feel if you don't feel it if you don't feel the wrong of what you did it doesn't matter because it doesn't really have an effect on you i guess if that that does make sense I don't know. <laughs> thank you for finding that yeah sorry. And reading it up. no it was interesting i have a question for you now okay sorry. so no it's okay Religion dictates traditions and lifestyles in many cultures, clothing, coming of age rituals, formation of society. So, do you think in order to advance as a human species, religion is something of the past that we're gonna have to let go? Organized religion? I don't think so. I will, yes, organized religion, maybe. I guess when you said religion, I think of like, So I think there's a lot of things that would qualify as religion in that sense. I have a definition of religion right okay, here, actually. Okay. The first definition is, quote, the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal god or gods, end quote. So I don't think in order to move forward as a humankind, I don't think we have to get rid of that religion because that's... Well, maybe the worship part. Maybe if we're worshiping a superhuman... Well, I don't know. I guess that's a very tricky question to break down, actually. And I think it kind of comes down... Like, I've read... I was reading something about the difference between mythology, religion, and science. And it, to me, there is no difference. Like, people say, oh, there's the mythologies of Greek and Romans, and that's different. Like, Catholics would be like, oh, yeah, that's not a religion. Or, I, don't, I don't know. But... To me, it seems like it is a religion. I don't know. And then same with science. It it almost seems like a religion too. Which I'm not saying you can't you can you can't belong to a different church and believe in science. But I guess when people say that. stories that people made up to explain the universe is different than like modern Christian religions, I kind of disagree, if that makes sense. And so I think religion in that sense is going to continue forever. 
do you do you find to yourself personally there is a difference between religion and spirituality yeah and i guess these definitions aren't like set in stone but i guess i just when i think of spirituality i think of somebody who's open to new experiences and exploring the world and when i think of religion i think of like what you believe and the way you think you should act so like spirituality is like a way of being whereas religion is like a i agree with that i i think i think very religious people and very scientific people are very similar i think you can draw very very close parallels between them because they both they both view the world through these certain limitations and these certain rules and they covertly believe in what they think they don't really want to change it and they and they kind of refuse to listen to open their mind to other ways because in science if it doesn't if if it hasn't been proved scientifically then there's no like it's probably not an option like it doesn't exist only the hard facts and in religion if it's not in a bible or a holy book or hasn't been part of this culture for years then it's not true and they and they clash heads they they do a lot and I think spiritualities, very spiritual people, are people who are open to almost everything. And I yeah. think that you can, spirituality could draw bridges between religion and science. I yeah. think it's this really beautiful medium where it can create religious experiences with scientific reasoning yeah. involved. It's, it's saying that it, just because it's religious doesn't mean it's not scientific, and just because it's scientific doesn't mean it's not spiritual yeah. or something. And I do think there's a difference between like what you're explaining and someone who is very religious but also believes in science, and they like create a way to like order their beliefs so it all makes sense with religion and science. And I think that's just a slightly different religion in a way, whereas spirituality is like being open to questions and mysteries and not understanding things whereas religion is like finding a way to explain everything and so was science too yeah exactly right yeah oh yeah i think i think it's all so interesting honestly i mean coming from my mother who is highly religious and there's people in my family um like my brother and my dad sort of who are pretty scientific and they and they do clash heads a lot and i think like growing up and listening to these discussions and reading all the books they ha- like oh, wow. they have on their shelves and stuff like that, yeah. I think it's definitely put me, I'm grateful for a place that it's put me in where I'm able to like kind of understand both sides and I can't figure anything out yet. I, I'm, it's, but it's just interesting to learn about and read about and try to try new things. So now let's just, we, we talked, I mean, religion is such a hard concept because it has so much history. It's so defining of mankind. It just has this huge ominous, like, what's the meaning of the world? What, what, is there a God? Is there a creator? We can't talk about it all under an hour. It's just, it's, it's hard to hit every point that you want to hit. But let me ask you now, where are you now, present day? Do you believe in a God? Do you believe in a creator? How's your spirit feeling? Is do you even want a connection to anything, or do you just want to float around? Life is meaningless. When you die, I definitely. You decompose. I guess at the moment I'm pretty like 
I think ambivalent is the word. Is that like, I just don't care. I do care, but I'm feeling pretty not super spiritual or religious. I'm just kind of going through my life, not really focusing on anything, which is kind of not fun. I mean, it's fine, but <laughs> it's, it's like, I it's just. It's not fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's just. I guess my life doesn't feel very deep right now, whereas, like, in the past couple years, it has felt more deep. Deep as in meaningful? As in meaningful and, like, I was connected to something. And not just, like, oh, I'm connected to my friends, but just, like, I guess I almost felt like there was a presence of there being not necessarily God, but some kind of community, like, something connecting all the people all people you know and all living things like I felt like connection between all living things whereas now I mean obviously I feel connection like oh yeah I'm a living thing too but not as present in my life if that makes sense and I would like to find that again but it's not something is it something you think you can actively search or it's just gonna come to you I yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I think there are things I can do to find that again but I don't think it's like if I go out and be like oh I have to find this it's not gonna work I think it's about like taking things slow and like maybe meditation or talking to people but it's not it definitely has to come naturally yeah yeah what about you I I feel good. I feel good right now. I feel... Man, I've been really into... Not into, but... I've always been into, but it's kind of been growing presence about the planet. I felt a really deep connection to nature. Yeah, yeah. And just the planet. And the woods. I love being in the woods. I mean, it sucks now because there's so many ticks out. Mm-hmm. But I love being in the woods and I love meditating there. And just studying all, every little plant that's growing in the universe. I just feel this connection to nature. I feel like that's how I used to feel. And I think it's there a little bit, but I just haven't been outside enough. I think it's really, I think we've lost that as a society. We definitely started to lose this connection to nature. And you don't realize, but when you get out there, it makes you feel part of this bigger web of life. Of this bigger, you feel like everything is happening for a reason. That there's a creator and that there's just like there's love everywhere yeah or even if there's like for me i don't know if i ever really was sure that i believed that there was a god or creator or whatever but there was it felt like there's something i guess and i don't think it really matters what it is for me at the moment does that make sense it doesn't matter what the creator is or if there is one like and i guess that's how i've always felt too I, I, I don't, yeah, I agree with that. I also, on, on the other spectrum, I mean, I go through phases. I think everyone has these fluctuations in their life, but I sometimes, I think about how little, I read a lot about neuroscience and just the nature of consciousness, and I think how little we know, and I've read a lot, I mean, I, psychedelics and just all this stuff, it all, like, it all adds up. And just how I think sometimes that consciousness is more a product of the universe than the human mind. And sometimes if I let my mind go that way, it becomes this beautiful thing where we are we are part of this bigger picture, this bigger thing. And so is every living creature.
creature and I feel so connected and I feel grounded and it's amazing but it I don't know it, nothing feels permanent it feels like I could be in a different place next week yeah. you know and I could be in a place where I'm like okay consciousness is our firing of neurons and we evolved in this really cool way that it works like that that we can be aware that we're aware yeah. and but when we die our brain is gonna die and then we're gonna die and then our body will decompose in the soil and feed new life and we're just gone yeah. and I think even I think I was thinking that, that like two weeks right ago so <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really say the book I'm reading now for a while it made me feel that way too and now I think at the moment I'm feeling what you said exactly is yes except that so I guess the book I'm reading is a lot about where the author thinks human consciousness comes from and it's very like it's just our neurons very complicated ways that they interact with each other and these all these like crazy loops and stuff but and so he doesn't seem to be like a soulist or whatever he doesn't think we have a soul but I think from soulist. reading the book that's that's a term is that a term oh I don't know if it's a real term but he that's uses funny. it that's funny okay yeah <laughs> sorry keep going but just from all there's there's so much stuff in the book that he talks about like we can't really explain this and there's all these like mathematical mysteries I guess you could say or mathematical systems like an incompleteness within the math that and I guess the book is a lot about how maybe we can't understand things because our brains just don't have that much power and so I think yeah. whatever we think like it's we can't know that because our brains are not I used to like some I used to think and I've read this before as our brains I would I would this was after I read a book about physics and quantum mechanics and how things change supposedly when we look at them having to do with yeah. our brain waves and electrons the wave particle duality and all this stuff and um and I was thinking what if our brains are sort of like a funnel okay for our minds so our minds can expand these different dimensions and levels of consciousness but since we're trapped in this physical body this in this physical prison almost our our brains our mind is squished in our brains and our brains are not capable of seeing the uh, world as it is yeah, and our brains right. are not capable there's this level of our brain i think it's called a dme which is kind of like our self it's the eye it it takes in information and it just like puts it through the mill of like past experiences and like like okay this is what you're seeing yeah. so we kind of we kind of imagine walking along a path and after you walk along it so many times it it becomes a path it's a groove you know mm -hmm. and so like when you're in the woods and you see like three paths you're just going to go on a path rather than through the thick undergrowth so oh, that's yeah, kind yeah. of like how our thoughts are in our mind yeah. we've just been through them we just go the same path every time and and if we could if we could escape these limitations and open our mind up to not a, just a clean slate and we can go any way we want i think that would be really amazing and people claim to have these experiences and i think our brain kind of limits us from that yeah. i mean that's just a theory yeah i right. don't know and like and then there's also just like maybe a dog can't understand a complicated math problem but to us it's like once you've learned the background it's pretty simple there's probably some like some kind of crazy mystery we can't wrap our heads around there's probably there might be some yeah why are we here <laughs> some, right there's a possibility of some higher intelligence being that would be like oh that's a simple problem and then there's other mysteries that they can't solve so i guess yeah yeah and imagine if you lived in a 2d world and you saw a 3d figure enter it you would only see that like 3d figure in 2d yeah. 
and you just make sense of it in 2D. What if yeah. there's already other dimensional creatures here, but we just like can't see them because Jeez. our brain, whoa. Because <laughs> <laughs> our brains are stuck in this uh, 3D, I think 4D yeah. actually because of time. Yeah. I don't think we can manipulate the fourth dimension of time. I don't know, time's weird, time's know. tricky. Yeah. We can't, I can't talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's yeah. also this other interesting thing. I was reading A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking's. Mm -hmm. And I, one part of it, he kind of says, he talks about um, the Big Bang, and he talks about how we can't know anything before the Big Bang, because the Big Bang affected everything there is today. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, it doesn't really matter what happened before the Big Bang because, according to science, it doesn't affect any laws or anything that happens now because yeah. this is all a product of the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So whatever happened before, whatever, doesn't matter to us. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading about someone's, um, I think they were tripping on DMT or LSD. I'm not sure which one. But they were saying they were transported to the time before the Big Bang. Oh, wow. Like, they didn't, they didn't exist they were ego dead they didn't exist this sense of self but they were before the big bang and it was just this combination of energy and no matter just energy and maybe not even time no physical no physical existence at all and he can see the physical existence kind of merge until it became the big bang oh. but i think it was interesting how he was transported to before the big bang and he had this spiritual experience and then you know science and it's like, oh, well, nothing matters before the big thing. Right. And I, I thought that's kind of like, it's not a parallel, but it's a cool line you can pull there between yeah. those two. And like science might explain that experience by just, oh, it was the way the chemical interacted with your brain, your brain like hallucinated or whatever, which I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of studies being done. Okay. I, I don't know if we're actually as far along in neuroscience as like the average human would assume, you know? Yeah, like, no, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It seems like we know a very high level of our brain. Like, we can see main sections, and then we can see little nerves, but there's not much in between there. Yeah, I agree with you. I Which have... is what my book is about, too, the one I was reading. Really? Yeah, it's about all this stuff. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I have so many notes in this book right now, because I thought they are really interesting. And <clears throat> I had one page... I'm, I have the book open, How to Change Your Mind, by Michael Pollan. Mm -hmm. But um, there was one quote. It talked about the Dalai Lama saying that science, science accepts the fact that consciousness is from, the, is from the brain. It accepts it as a fact, even though there's no evidence for that. Which is funny, because usually science doesn't accept anything without evidence, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was in my book, too! Really? Yeah, it how was talking about the, the strange leaps of science and how what evidence doesn't really... It only means that you agree with it, like... Yeah, yeah. Like, who defines, who defines what evidence really... Like, what counts as evidence? It's just us. Interesting. Uh, we definitely went off religion. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all related. I no, think, I think it is, too. I mean, obviously, talking about consciousness in the universe and physics, it seems a lot more universal than a man-made religion. Right. But man-made religion is supposed to explain the universal, so... Yeah, which is true. And which it's, it's interesting how many stories we've come up with as a, as a society. And not even as a society, as different societies, different cultures, so many... And this is kind of off the topic of religion, but that reminds me of that, 
quote from the book we read for AP Literature class. The one about, I don't know what it was called, but it said something about how there is no multiple stories. Every, every like, book, every How to read literature like a professor. Yes, every yes. story is the same. All the stories humankind yeah. have ever come up with, they all, you can all water it down to similar themes and questions and they answer. Of, it's yeah. 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 And that's so true. And you always think, what's Hollywood going to come up with next? Oh, I've seen it before. Yeah. There's no more ideas out there, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know. I not think as it's we not necessarily saying discovered that there's no anything. ideas, but it's like every idea we have is just based on the ones before. So there are new ideas, but they're not true. Like, new, new. I think I wrote in a journal from last summer or something. It was like the agenda, the, why can't I speak? The agenda of humankind. And it was like, all the things that humankind tries to answer through every generation, oh, wow. such as why are we here? What's our purpose? Is there a God? Where do we go when we die? What is love? And like that's it. But every it's so funny. Every human deals with it. Yeah. yeah. It's. And I think those are important yeah. things to deal with. And I guess this goes back to the science and religion, where both of them seem to kind of go do away with it it's like oh you don't have to think about that this is what happens like this is what it is like don't even think for yourself. i mean i know it's kind of like don't think for yourself but yeah. people should people should think for themselves i think yeah. people are scared too it is scary yeah, i get scared is. when i start to think about how strange the nature of our reality is how little we know yeah. and sometimes i can't i think about it so much i don't want to sleep at night but then i'm like you know what I'm not gonna think that's crazy. That's like, I'm that's not like gonna that think about that. The 21 Pilots song, Car Radio. And I don't, like, I know a lot of people say it's about depression, so maybe it is about depression, but to me, it's a lot more about, like, think for yourself. And just because the thoughts are scary, it's like, you should still think about them. I remember you showed me that song in the Camino. Yeah. 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 Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we end this? I don't think so. I think that was a very interesting conversation. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Do you have any suggestions for the name of the podcast? Ooh. I don't know what, what other kind of episodes you think about. Well, I here have a sticky note here that I was writing ideas on. Hmm. Uh, some ideas I have. A little spoiler for my <laughs> listeners. <laughs> uh, elementary particles. Okay. Psychedelics. 411 cases. The national parks. Black holes. Music. Weathering heights. And, oh, another one I was thinking of was how COVID-19, how this pandemic can change our world for the better. And then, yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't have an idea. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I, I'll, come up, I'll come up with one. I'll let you know if I think of one. Yeah. Sure. Thank you for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you. It was very interesting. It was really nice. It's also a nice break from being in my house. It is a nice break. All right. We'll see you next time. Like I said in the introduction, Lily and I may have said or stuttered our way through some not necessarily untrue, but just not exactly accurate claims. One of the things I want to talk about is um, I said something about the DME earlier in the podcast, trying to explain how it could potentially be a funnel for consciousness. Unfortunately, the DME does not exist. The DMN, however, the default mode network, does exist. It has been found by neuroscientists to be involved in various domains of cognitive and social processing. 
It is also active when the individual is thinking about others, thinking about themselves, remembering the past, and planning for the future. Basically, this section of our brain is responsible for our ego, or as you heard me say, our sense of self. And when on psychedelics, a drop in DMN activity can be experienced, potentially allowing for what is dubbed as an ego death. I was interested, I still am interested, in how the world, because we filmed this like yesterday, how the world can be manipulated to what we perceive is... Oh, fuck, I said that wrong. Okay, so I was interested in how the world can be manipulated to become what we perceive it as. So we're not necessarily seeing the world for what it is. We have a limited consciousness or we're on a certain level of consciousness and seeing the world through this funnel, through this default um, mode network. So I know there's probably other stuff we said that wasn't completely accurate or we misquoted someone or other, but this was the main error that I can remember and with practice, we will, I will, become better. I really don't know how Joe Rogan does this, because this shit is not as easy as it looks. But this was the first episode, and if you listened all the way through, wow, that's amazing. Um, thank you. I don't even know if I'm going to listen all the way through. This was Two Dead Pines. I'm Megan Elise, and good night.